The finals are here. The finals are here. Don't worry, that's not talking about any exams. We're talking about the championship round of our Tournament of Disney Villains here on Not Your Mother's Goose. Welcome, everybody. I'm Topher Goggin. And coming up on today's show, not only will we meet the last villain standing, but we'll also take flight with Dumbo, double-check the difference between the Muffin Man and Muffler Man, and learn all about Captain Hook's new tax firm, H&R Croc. Before we get started, though, let me give you the regular reminder Please ship your browser over to notyourmothersgoose.com at some point. That'll be your easiest way to link to the full villain's bracket and a chance to vote in the finals. But there's also a bunch of new stuff that's been posted and more to come. That includes finally your chance to buy some of the Mary Had a Little Spam greeting cards that everybody seems to love, plus a full line now of Not Your Mother's Goose shirts based on Rick Cunningham's delightful cartoons. With that, I'll readily admit that these villains aren't renowned for their calm and patience, so we'd best recap the semis before we get any questionable Apple deliveries. Let's get started. All right, there is no time like the present. Let's get to those baddest of all time villain voting results. You know, normally in March Madness, it seems like the semifinal games on Saturday night, those are the good ones, and then there's a blowout Monday in the finals. But we better hope this is one of those inverse years because our semifinals in this tournament were not close. It was business as usual for Maleficent in the old school semi. She steamrolled the evil queen from Snow White. Maleficent ends up getting the highest percentage vote total of the entire tournament, nearly 78%, and did that against the villain that we made the number two old school seed. I don't know if Maleficent just doesn't like apples or what, but this was a shellacking. The queen clearly does maintain the status as the fairest of them all by playing way too fair. She paid the price in this one. And as something new this round, we allowed the voters to comment on their selections, and we did get some good ones. Let me share a couple of these with you. For instance, someone said, While the evil queen has the ability to use her resources around her to be evil, Maleficent has the ability to turn to a dragon state. Simply having the ability to breathe fire, fly, and burn up on a Disney Magic Kingdom parade afternoon takes the cake for me. Another person made kind of the same point much more simply. You turned into a hag, rookie. Check out this fire-breathing dragon. And just for equal time, the Queen did have a few supporters. I particularly like the person who commented, quote, She's the OG villain and wanted Snow White's heart brought to her in a box. Why are we still voting? That person unfortunately ends up on the losing side, and Maleficent moves on to the finals where she will take on Scar. That's right, the number three seed has pulled off his second straight upset. If you thought his 14-vote victory over Ursula was impressive, try this. The number one seed, Jafar, turned out to be totally smoke and mirrors. Scar thumps him by more than a two-to-one margin with 68% of the vote. Actually held Jafar under 100 votes until the last day of voting with well over 300 votes cast overall again. I don't know if this loss is quite as bad as getting imprisoned in your lamp, but any way you look at it, not a good day for the man with the scraggly goatee. We had some interesting comments on this one as well. Almost everything, though, in the Scar camp. We had one saying, This is a bit of a toss-up since they are essentially the same guy, just in two- and four-legged form, but I'm going with Scar because a pack of hyenas beats one sarcastic parrot. Jafar did get one comment in his favor, and I will say this. If the tournament was based on how thorough the analysis posted was, this might have been enough to get Jafar through. This person says, this one was difficult. 
Scar really brings in that evil comes to Thanksgiving get-together mafia type of feel, but Jafar, he goes a step above, bringing the iron fist of a first-rate Don bent on total domination of not just the city, but the world. The comment overall that takes the cake, though, was a typo, at least I hope it was, in favor of Scar from someone who simply wrote, He ate his brother. Need I say more? So either that was a typo or that person watched a different movie than the one I saw, since I don't remember the Scar Eats Mufasa scene. Maybe that's the director's cut. Anyway, that's where we are. Maleficent versus Scar for the baddest of all time belt, and what a battle it's going to be. We'll have our panel back to analyze it for you in a bit, but you don't have to wait. We've got the ballots up. They're rolling. Just go to notyourmothersgoose.com right now. You'll find a link. You can cast those votes. Think carefully, though. You don't want one of these two bad guys coming after you if you vote for the wrong side. And seriously, though, please do vote. Share the link with all your friends. I want to get as many votes as possible in this championship round. These two villains have clearly been head and shoulders above everybody else in the fan voting all the way through, so I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. It's the Tournament of Disney Villains on Not Your Mother's Goose. Cast those votes now. Dumbo. Today we'll consider one of the Disney classics. Not in the terms of classic movies, but in the terms of classic Disney trivia questions. Your question is, which animated Disney title character has the fewest speaking lines? Winning that battle with a grand total of zero, it's your buddy Dumbo. The story of Dumbo begins with a lesson in animal sex ed, where we learn that baby elephants come from the stork. Mr. Stork stops by to visit a circus elephant named Mrs. Jumbo, dropping off a jar of the Vlasic pickles she was craving, along with a little bitty elephant. But here's the thing. Have you ever been ordering something online and the scroll wheel on the mouse starts changing the size menu till you end up buying the extra small sweatpants to go with a 3XL hoodie? This seems to be what happened while Mrs. Jumbo was doing some late-night baby shopping in her pink shower cap. She ordered the normal-sized baby elephant, about the size of a Prius, but he shows up outfitted with ears that seem to have been made for a 15-passenger van. Safe to say this baby will not need to call Miracle Ear anytime soon. The gigantic ears generate quite a lot of attention around the big top, and it's not so long before the other animals decide they make Jumbo Jr. look not so brainy, so they give him the unfortunate nickname of Senator. Okay, actually it's not that mean, but they do start calling him Dumbo, and that sticks. Mrs. Jumbo tries to stand up for her kid against the bullies, but that just gets her branded as a meanie herself and lands her in circus jail courtesy of the ringmaster. Dumbo is left to go solo, ending up with only the most unlikely of friends, a mouse. And it's not like Disney let him be buddies with Mickey or Minnie either. No, he just gets a mouse named Tim. It turns out that this Timothy, who dresses kind of like a cross between a train conductor and a British army general with no pants, is like the circus version of LinkedIn. He initially gets Dumbo a job as the top of an elephant pyramid. And that doesn't work out so well for a variety of factors, the main one being gravity. Dumbo quickly gets <clears throat> transitioned to a new position by HR, which now involves going splat into a vat of pie filling while dressed like a clown. Time to update the resume here, Dumbo. And speaking of clowns, I always thought that Bozo the Clown's hair bore a strong aerodynamic resemblance to Dumbo's ears. There is a lot of lift going on there. Maybe Bozo should have added a flying segment after the grand prize game on his show. 
Anyway, getting back to our story, that splat Dumbo ends up understandably depressed, and a visit to a caged-up Mrs. Jumbo doesn't really help either. Then, in an interesting medical feat, Dumbo manages to cry himself straight into a case of the hiccups, which Timothy then offers to cure with some <clears throat> water. That water is actually a big bucket of champagne that soon has them so sloshed that they think it would be a good idea to go try out the human cannonball equipment. Now, I can't prove that they used the cannon, but somehow they awaken the next morning on the top of a tree. Anyway, Timothy boldly deduces that he's got a flying elephant on his hands and quickly begins to picture himself as the new big cheese manager if you get my drift. Dumbo gets told that he just needs a magic feather to be able to fly, and the next thing you know, he's radioing air traffic control for clearance to land. Dumbo reworks his circus act into a flying display, which seems like a great idea until the magic feather slips through his trunk mid-dive, again with the gravity issues. Since Timothy had stowed away his navigator in Dumbo's hat on this trip, it's not good news in Mouseland either. He frantically tries to explain the placebo effect to Dumbo as a vatless splat rapidly approaches. At the last second, Dumbo gets the hint, spreading his ears into the bozo configuration and swooping up to safety, followed by a life of fame, fortune, and peanuts. At least until Timothy hikes his 10% cut and signs a new flying rhinoceros named Doofus. The Associated Press, Reuters, nine minutes into an episode of Not Your Mother's Goose. You can find the latest news anywhere. Let's check it. The Count named new host of American Top 40. Robots line up to buy debut book in Where's Wally series. And our lead story in television news, Food Network reboots Iron Chef. Executives at Food Network announced a reboot of their famed Iron Chef show yesterday with an all-fantasy version set to stream exclusively on their Desserts Plus platform. The well-known cooking show will return with a new set of culinary wizards anchored by Iron Chef canned goods, Chef Boyardee. The familiar format remains the same, a visiting challenger calling out one of the show's talented chefs for a spatula-to-spatula kitchen battle. Host Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater will then present a secret theme ingredient to the competitors who will have one hour, or until the clock strikes midnight, to whip up unique dishes. The combatants must try to please a crotchety panel of celebrity judges, including the famously divergent palates of both Jack Spratt and his wife. These are the battles people have always wanted to see, the network said in a release. A pie-making clash between Simple Simon and Iron Chef Carbs Betty Crocker, with Little Jack Horner guest judging. The Swedish chef trying to bork his way to victory against the meanest of all Iron Chefs, the Seinfeld Soup Nazi. And don't miss the season finale, as the tension skyrockets when famed bread maker the Little Red Hen takes on Iron Chef Chicken himself, Colonel Sanders. The show will debut online Tuesday, and network officials are already at work booking challengers for a second season. So far, the list already includes Long John Silver, Chef from South Park, and potentially their biggest name yet, SpongeBob SquarePants. We'll head now to a break, and even though it's only September, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's tax return. We've got somebody who's here to help. Let's face it, nobody likes tax time. As soon as you spin your straw into gold, along comes the IRS and yanks half the gold out of your Scrooge McDuck money bin. Well, now you can fight back. Ahoy, folks, it's Captain Hook. 
If you're tired of paying too much out of your pickled pepper profits, you need to call my personal tax prep service, H&R Kroc. Everyone knows pirating is a tough business, but have you even thought about the bookkeeping? How much gold did you steal? What's the currency conversion from doubloons? Let the certified tax experts at H&R Kroc handle it for you. And don't worry, H&R Kroc isn't just for pirates. They process returns for all fairy tale businesses. Need to know if you can claim a hen that lays golden eggs as a dependent? Or wondering if a rub-a-dubbing hot tub is a legitimate expense of your candlestick-making business? Call H&R Kroc and find out. Whether you're just trying to deduct a lost sheep or want to write off the money you stole from the rich to give to the poor, the folks at H&R Kroc can help you out. Why wait? The clock is ticking and talking. Call H&R Kroc and take a chomp out of your tax bill today. That's my former boss, the one and only DQ, coming in from Billsville to play Captain Hook. A big thanks to him. I hope he's in for a healthy refund next year. While he waits for his check from the IRS, though, let's check some more news. Claiming years of practice, Rapunzel applies to be Secretary of the Interior. McGruff has three teeth pulled after eating too much Halloween candy he took from kids. And in theme park news, Buzz Lightyear struggles on own ride. You might think that if you needed someone to help put up a high score on Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger spin, Buzz Lightyear might be a good choice. Think again. The esteemed Space Ranger is licking his wounds this morning after struggling to a disastrous performance on the Walt Disney World attraction bearing his name. Executives from the Walt Disney Company thought they'd scored a major coup, convincing Lightyear's agent to book him for a promotional appearance at his namesake attraction in Orlando. Little could they have expected that Buzz would score a paltry 34,000 points, getting handily defeated by the seven-year-old riding in the other side of the car. Lightyear struggled from the outset, and frankly can be glad that Zerg doesn't shoot back or he might have been on his way to the Tomorrowland Infirmary. Interviewed afterward, he blamed jet lag after flying in overnight from Andy's house. He also borrowed a line from every dad who's ever ridden the ride, commenting that he was pretty sure his blaster gun was broken. The Muffin Man. Okay, I don't get up on the soapbox too often on this show, but every once in a while you just have to buckle down and take a stand. And that stand today is about the Muffin Man. What's going on here? I managed to squeeze a few jokes out of the Muffin Man in the past, namely one about the Muffin Man and the Muffler Man changing lives in some sort of hilarious reality show. But I was expecting a lot more last night when I sat down to research a full Muffin Man segment. Surely there had to be more to this ditty than I remembered. But not really. We ask, do you know the Muffin Man? Then we say the Muffin Man a few more times, and then we give out his address, which he surely appreciates. Then we got another person who comes in and confirms that, yes, in fact, I do know the Muffin Man. We then confirm the address again, in case anyone out there hoping to go egg his house missed it the first time. And then that's it. I mean, imagine if you had a conversation like this. Hey, do you know Steve? Yeah, I I know Steve. Oh, okay. That right there is the Muffin Man. Seriously, couldn't the writers come up with anything else to say? I mean, this is not fairy tale Netflix that's trying to leave us hanging to get us to binge the next episode of the Muffin Man show. I at least would like to know what kind of Muffin Man this is. Is it just a dude who likes muffins? 
Does he sell muffins? Maybe out of a muffin man truck like the ice cream man? Because I bet the kids in the neighborhood would be pretty pumped up when that came driving through. Or is he like a, a real live walking muffin, you know, with arms and legs sticking out? In which case, I guess that makes the pleated wrapper like his pants. I'll acknowledge that if that's the case, folks probably wouldn't be so excited to admit, yes, I know the Muffin Man, but you never know. But that's your homework for the week. Write the rest of the Muffin Man. And then when you're done, write some more for old King Cole, too. Merry dude, called for his pipe, called for his bowl, called for his Fiddler's Three, and nothing more. Help me here. The movie before and after segment rides again, and somehow we're back in the land of Merry Men. This time it's the Merry Men of Gotham, however, as we're getting our tickets to see Batman and Robin Hood. The bat signal goes up over the city, with Commissioner Gordon concerned about a new string of robberies of rich people. Alright, that feels like basically every Batman robbery, but whatever. Bruce Wayne fires up the Batmobile and rushes to the scene, and our mystery villain recognizes a major problem when his arrows start bouncing off the crime fighter's spiffy rubber suit. But right as Bruce is about to deploy the rocket-powered boomerang binding cable thing, he puts the apprehension on pause. This new guy seems right up his alley. He's got a mask, mad arrow skills, a full costume with tights. Suddenly, what was going to be an arrest turns into a partnership, and there's a new version of the dynamic duo in town. Alright, so that's what we've got so far. There's still a lot to figure out, though. Most importantly, what kind of work will these two do together? Does Robin Hood turn state's evidence and join Batman busting bad guys? Or does Bruce flip to the other side and start roaring through Sherwood Forest in the Batmobile, turning into the world's richest filcher? If so, he ought to look into a Batsuit with pockets. Also, with all of the animals in Disney's Robin Hood, it does seem like the Penguin would fit in well as a villain right-hand man to Prince John but the Sheriff of Nottingham in Joker makeup would have a certain flair to it as well. I'm also having a hard time figuring out whether we're going to turn Little John into some sort of lumbering ursine second butler, or if Alfred is going to go live in the woods with the Merry Men. Tights in the Tux is always a good look. Here we go, one last round of Disney villain matchups for our panel of experts to analyze for you. To recap from earlier, Maleficent obliterated the evil queen in the semis to move on, where she will meet Scar, who's hot off a win over Jafar with 68% of the votes. We've got our full group assembled here, including the return of our Cruella de Vil supporter, who is still coming to terms with Cruella's quarterfinal loss, We'll also check in with our own version of Sir Charles, CBS doesn't have the only one, to get his pick for the championship. Off to the panel we go. Welcome back, everyone, to what is likely the final meeting of our expert Disney villains panel. You'll be able to take your credentials from this and parlay it into great fame and fortune, I'm sure. We now know that our finalists are Maleficent and Scar. But before we talk about this final battle, let's go back and analyze these semis a little bit. And I want to come from the perspective, actually, of the Evil Queen. 
This was a dreadful showing. Maleficent gets 78% of the vote. The Queen only shows up with 22% as a two seed in the semis. Is this just the biggest embarrassment in villain history? Is it possible there's going to be personnel changes? Is somebody going to get fired in the Queen's organization? I think, you know, she couldn't even convince her own mirror that she was at the top of the pack. So, you know, if your own magical possessions are still throwing you under the rug, where does that leave you? I do think that there are going to be some changes in the Evil Queen's hype team because they they clearly failed to do some good advance work here. I mean, you got a lot of flash from Maleficent with the dragon, but anybody can be scary when they're a dragon. The Evil Queen literally tried to kill someone with an apple. If you have to live your life in fear of fruit, that's a very scary villain. Between that and the generic name, it's not all that surprising what happened and and the need for sort of the marketing department to clean house in, in marketing, I think. Perhaps a rebranding is in order. Exactly. A a new name. New name, new logo, new uniform. I think that we have moved on beyond uh, the Evil Queen's brand of of evil. I'm just not terribly interested in the I hate you because you're prettier than I am, so I'm going to kill you. I think that, you know, a brand of evil with a little bit more nuance, a little bit more complexity is is something that we're looking for. And and what do we think for that new name? Maybe something like, I, I don't know, like Lois? (laughs) just a thought (laughs) also though you you talk about the personnel the one problem that the queen has is that she doesn't really have somebody on her staff to scapegoat do you think on Jafar's side because Jafar took a pretty bad loss here too it's only because the queen got annihilated that Jafar isn't looking really really bad right now is Iago in trouble Iago is useless that's definitely chief of staff fell fell down on this one (laughs) Where do we think Jafar went wrong? What what fell apart here? He's a number one seed. He had come through very easily in uh, in his earlier match, and then Scar just takes him behind the woodshed. That's kind of a theme with Jafar that he tends to uh, underestimate his opponents, whether it's you know the the street urchin or the lion, who honestly is not a particularly healthy looking lion either. I could totally see Jafar getting overconfident. You make a good point. You talk about uh, Scar's nourishment. That was an interesting comment from one of the voters voting for Scar, simply saying, he ate his brother, need I say more? (laughs) What director's cut did they watch? That was my question. (laughs) Maybe this was more Silence of the Lions than Silence of the Lambs, but if Scar actually ate Mufasa, then this is game over, isn't it? Agreed. (laughs) There's a lot of misinformation out there, and I I think we're seeing that. People are getting new information on Facebook about these Disney villains. and Yeah, I was wondering about that myself, whether there was a misinformation campaign. I mean, I think Maleficent certainly has the tools to implement something like that. Unless they're thinking this movie's based off of Titus Andronicus and not Hamlet, where everybody's just eating people. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners to Not Your Mother's Goose out there that are Titus Andronicus fans. I think that's a, that's a big niche market that we're in. <laughs> Let's talk about this championship matchup. There is little question that these two, Maleficent and Scar, have been head and shoulders above the rest through the entire tournament. How do these two square off against each other? What are the strategies? Who comes out on top? You know, I was originally a Scar naysayer. I really thought he was just going beyond what he deserved. But when I took a step back and looked at it from a true evilness perspective, I came to see the ways and jumped, you know, jumped on ship. He's... Got an awful lot of momentum 
You know, Maleficent got to kind of sit back and cruise. He's really had to just continue to fight his way to the top here. Well, and there have been some concerns that, that Maleficent's a one-trick pony with the dragon and that dragon might be a little bit overrated. If you're Scar, how do you plan to attack that? Well, I think Scar's bigger problem is going to be that she can fly. And given his preferred tactics, I think that's going to be a little bit limiting for Scar. Well, gravity's been an issue for Scar in general. <laughs> I think what Maleficent has going for her is the fact that she is she, she's truly a, a villain that is ahead of her time. This is a woman who was ready to murder because she didn't get invited to the king's daughter's christening. Maleficent walked so the real housewives could run. <laughs> Let's go around and, uh, and get your predictions. Who's it going to be? We'll start. Uh, actually, we'll start with whoever talks first. So I don't I, want I, small I, way. Yeah. <laughs> As predicted, everyone talks at the same time. Dr. C, you start. I'm Maleficent all the way. Dragon versus lion is very clear in my mind. Uh, even even with just that that matchup, and she presumably has other magic. You you think she's held something back? You don't think we've seen the whole? Oh yeah, play I don't think we've seen everything from her. I've been Team Maleficent from the beginning. I'm I'm really tempted to switch and throw my weight behind Scar just because I feel like that will uh, help validate my early support for Hades, who some of you may remember was Scar's first casualty in this tournament. But I'm sticking with Maleficent. Sorry, Hades. Were you the one responsible for the vote that says I'm only voting for Jafar because Hades deserved to win against Scar? That was not me, but I share that sentiment. How about our uh, our Cruella supporter? Thank you so much for the airspace. I did want a moment just to, to say justice for Cruella. You know, this is a villain that is uh, chaos, that doesn't need powers, doesn't need a plan. Like she just goes with her gut. And I just, uh, I'm really disappointed that she didn't make a better showing. I think that this panelist needs to be in charge of the Evil Queen's rebranding. That's all I have to say. Cruella only went down because she happened to go up against Maleficent early. And I think if she had been matched against Scar, it would have been tough because people would have had to interpret that as evil. And and she would have had a, a better chance against Scar, I think. It is all how the committee seeds that bracket. People are still protesting the exclusion of, uh, of Claude Frollo. Not as many protesting the exclusion of Claude Rollo, but we'll keep an eye on him for you as well. Finally, we, we do seem to have one more Massachusetts panelist, or sorry, Rhode Island panelist that has not weighed in yet. Have you been consulting? Who's got a Disney ride that's been shut down? No, I, I, this week, no, I, I took it more seriously this week, and I actually went to the zoo to see what Scar was up to. And he was a no-show, which at first I thought was a bad sign, but then I realized that's full training and preparation 100% concentration, didn't have time to show up for, for Henry's visit to the zoo. Very focused. What did Henry think of the dragon? They had no dragons at the zoo. Well, like, what kind of zoo are you going to? If you need a zoo review podcast, let us know. If you need, if you need a zoo without lions, right. we got one. <laughs> well, we do, before we go, need to check in with our foremost expert. We have contacted Sir Charles himself because this is really the authoritative voice, the the preeminent expert on Disney villains. Sir Charles, tell us, who's it going to be, Maleficent or Scar, and why? Maleficent! So the interesting thing, Charlie, is you put your head in the pillow and say it. We can't hear you very well. Would you mind just saying it out loud into the air? Maleficent. (laughs) Excellent. And why do you think it would be Maleficent? Because Maleficent has magic and she can turn into a giant and she can shoot fire. 
because Maleficent has magic, she can turn into a dragon and she can shoot fire. I do think those are excellent powers. Can we see who's stronger? Could we see who's stronger? Who do you think is stronger, Maleficent or Scar? Listen. I would concur. Do you think Scar has any features that would give him an advantage? No. Bold. All right, well, there we have it. If uh, if Sir Charles says Maleficent, that's going to be a challenge for Scar to overcome. So uh, we will see how that goes. Thank you so much, panel, for your, your hard work. When you need your references from this, please just let me know. I will write those up for you. Uh, I'm sure they will take you far. This is not a well-compensated position, but we certainly have had a good time uh, at least making each other laugh, even if no one else is entertained whatsoever. I'm really glad we have Sir Charles to carry this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there you have it. That is all the uh, help that I can give you. Now it is time to make your final selection and pick the baddest of all time. Go to notyourmothersgoose.com. You can follow the link to vote for either Scar or Maleficent. And just like last time, you can offer your comments as well. You don't have to, but that option is there. Tell all your friends. Get them out to vote. We're going to tally the votes up and announce the winner on the next show. That's September 28th, so be sure to check it out. That's going to do it for this week. Rapunzel's jukebox is in for routine maintenance, but it'll be back next time. And speaking of Rapunzel, we're going to take a look at the movie Not Quite Rapunzel, but Close, also known as Tangled, and we'll check out an ad from the Big Bad Wolf's huffing and puffing new home improvement warehouse, Blows. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Topher Goggin. Remember, go to notyourmothersgoose.com and cast those votes. The goose is loose. We'll be back soon to officially name the baddest of all time here on Not Your Mother's Goose. 